Welcome um, to week four of why I believe we're actually wrapping up a series. If you're just stepping in for the first time, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're thrilled um, that you have joined us, whether it's here in person, on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm really looking forward to studying God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to encourage you to come back next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new series. It's called Note to Self. Note to Self. Say that. Note to Self. Have you ever written yourself a little note, a little sticky note? Note to Self, a journey to God's best. A journey to God's best. And I'm, I have a series of messages. Finding freedom from self is going to be one of them. Friendly fire, uh, recovering from betrayal. Have you ever dealt with betrayal before? Um, many of us have. Developing patience, escaping personal breakdown, and so series of messages that are really going to help you on uh, your journey of faith. And so note to self, a journey to God's best. That's starting next week. So if you've missed, hey, next week you get a, a brand new opportunity to join, start fresh. And so I think it's going to be great. Um, today, of course, we're celebrating Easter. So happy Easter. Um, thank you. Mom or whoever, just, <laughs> um, you know, but here's the cool thing. We're celebrating Easter along with a couple billion people on planet Earth. Can you believe that? Like, we're not, like, this is, like, one of our core values is we're all about the capital C church. You know, Easter is much bigger than just little Life Point Fellowship Church in East Texas. There are several million people Worshiping Jesus today, and I was reading, this is not even a part of the message, but it's okay, you know, it's okay to go off script every once in a while. Um, I was reading Psalm 22, um, it's a mess- messianic psalm, it talks about the future, basically, how Jesus was going to come and he was going to die. You know, the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, those words are were found in Psalm 22. All right, so Psalm 22 is telling us about the future. And I was watching, I was reading towards the end of the Psalm, just doing my own personal devotion. I was reading how all nations will worship you one day. And that is true today. There will be people from every nation on planet earth who will worship the name of Jesus Christ. Man, if nothing else, that doesn't give you any goosebumps. Man, check your pulse because you may be dead. All right. So I am pumped. I got a message for you. First Corinthians chapter 15. I hope you're getting there. If you want to follow along, first Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you have a phone, how many of you have phones? Raise your hand. If you have a phone, let us know online. If you have a phone, download the Bible app. Okay, nothing will get you further faster than, spiritually speaking, than getting into God's Word. So Bible app, the YouVersion app, it's free. You can have hundreds of translations. I use it every day, and um, it's a great, great tool. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There's something that you and I do every day. In fact, we do it multiple times a day. I think most of us don't realize it, how often we do it, but this thing that I'm talking about can shape the course and the direction of our lives. It is, it is the basis of every decision that you make. Past, present, future, basis of every decision that you've ever made or will ever make. It is the foundation of your highest joys 
and your lowest lows, your deepest sorrows. It is why you respond the way you respond. It's why you do what you do. It's why you say what you say. And it's, it's, a, it's a human thing. All of us do it. Every single one of us do it. And you're probably wondering, what is he talking about? Every day, in multiple situations, in multiple ways, multiple times, you and I interpret our world. Do you know that? Every day, you and I, we will make sense out of the experiences that we're, we're going through, out of the, the things that are happening to us. And you can have two people in the same situation you can put two people under the same circumstances and one person reacts one way and then the other person reacts a totally different way. So the other day, Lee and I, we were walking in our neighborhood and there here comes two big dogs coming, charging at us. Man, I am ready to kick those things. I'm ready to like, like defend myself. You know, I don't know any karate or anything like that, but if I knew some, like I am ready to do, you know, to kill those two dogs. And Leah's like, Honey, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. They're just here to show us a little love, you know? And I'm like, you know, watching the dogs and here they come following us and they're really not doing anything. But I am, I am, I am tense. I'm ready to fight, you know? I'm ready to bring it. It's amazing how you can put the same two people in the same room, same circumstances, and one will interpret the events one way, the other one will do it so totally different. Like, I've told you this, this is not new to some of you if you've been coming to Life One for some, some time. Lee and I will be watching like a romantic comedy, you know, like an inspirational movie. And by the end of the movie, like, I get so involved. I get so into it. I'll be like, you know, you know, like, and she look at me and she's like, honey, you did it again. You're crying. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, honey, I just got something in my eye, you know, you know, we'll be watching like a scary thriller. You know, like a something that's like intense and I'll be like on edge, you know, like I'll be shaking and she'll be the one. It's funny. I'm glad you guys don't watch movies with, with us because I mean, I'm telling you that's embarrassing, you know, but, but I, in a serious, like people will go through war, same war, same battles. And then you'll have one person interpret their world one way and somebody else totally different. People will go through cancer. People will go through divorce. I mentioned betrayal earlier. Uh, you name it, being laid off. And one person will go one way and the other one will go the other way. Today, what I want to do is I want to, I want us to look at this story in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Of course, it has to do with the resurrection is what we're celebrating today. It's a story from scripture. And you have the freedom to interpret the story whichever way you want. Okay? You can, you can look at it and you can make your own conclusions. But I think that there is a common thread. I think we can all agree to, to this. I think we um, at least need to be aware of the fact that most people want to know truth, right? Like we want to know, we want to be right. We want to make the right choices in life. We want to understand the mysteries of life. And there's no doubt that there's no, whether you're a believer or not, whether you're following us online and you're like, oh, I'm just, you know, just stop for a second just to see what this church is about or whatever. I've seen the social media. Whether you're in or not, I think that most of us can say the death and resurrection of Christ revolutionized the world. Believe it or not, believer, you you can say, look, look, it changed the the trajectory of human history. And so this morning um, we're in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and this is Paul, who's an eyewitness of the resurrection of Christ. This is not someone that 
read the story or somebody told them the story and they read it and then the, somebody else told them and then the, this other person told them and then, then they finally got to them. No, no, this is someone who lived it, okay? This is someone who's like, you know, eyewitness account of what happened. And I want you to listen to his words. He says, verse, verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. I want to what? I want to remind you. I want to remind you. Paul is saying, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved. You hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Watch this. Watch this. He appeared to Cephas. He appeared to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Just a one-time event. Over 500 people most of whom are still living. Some of them have fallen asleep. Some of them have died. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. At last, and last of all, he appeared to me also as though I had been born at the wrong time. Now, let me ask you, why would Paul say, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you? I I want you to think with me for a moment. Why would... Why would a a preacher, why would a communicator say, hey, listen, I want to remind you of something that is as shocking and extraordinary as the resurrection. If it's as big of a deal, right? Then why would anybody forget? I mean, you and I, like when you, when we face something that's shocking, have you ever dealt with something in life and it's like, man, that was like good or bad? Like, I don't ever want to go through that. Or, man, that was a fantastic experience. If, if the resurrection is what people say it is, if it's as big of a deal, then why would anybody forget? Why would we have to be reminded of it? Right? Why would we, why would he, like, like I'll, I'll kind of, the way I think of it is, a friend of mine told me about a little restaurant the other day, a few months ago, um, just near the house, and it's just by, like, it's, it's, you know, I went in with him, and it's like, like a hole in the wall, like nobody would, I would have never, just from the outside, I would have never come in, I would have never stepped foot in those doors, like, I, like, just because it just didn't look like it was that good of a place, and I walked in, and I just, you know, my friend's like, hey, it doesn't look like much, but the food is really good, and I was like, what's good? He says, everything's good. That day, I had the, the best mahi-mahi tacos that I've ever had in my life. I went back, I think it's like a day later, and I had their burger, and it was the best burger, like, I, and look, I eat a lot. I love to eat. It was one of the best burgers that I've ever had in my life. I went back, and I had their queso. And it's like, I've never tested queso like this. It was unbelievable. Like, and then I kept going back. And now every meeting that I get a chance to go, like, I'll go there, okay? Like, if I'm working out and I'm on my way home, I'm stopping by this place. Like, yep, I got to stop there and get me some mahi-mahi tacos. Because that's, which kind of defeats the purpose of, of my working out, you know? I asked my family, and it's just not just me. I asked them on Friday, finished the workout, say, hey, where do you guys want to go? This place. Guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to forget this place, okay? 
It was, I mean, it was a remarkable experience. And so why would the Apostle Paul say, hey, let me remind you of the resurrection. If it is as big of a deal and it is as shocking and as extraordinary as it is, why would he say, I want to remind you? I have a, a few thoughts. Um, you know, I wrote down uh, gospel amnesia. I think we have what I like to call gospel amnesia. We tend to think that, you know, the... The resurrection is all about the future. It's all about, you know, he's, he was resurrected. One day when we die, we will be resurrected. And sometimes, you know, we just think it's, oh, it's, it's for life then. It's eternal life. It's not, you know, I got so much on my plate right now. You don't even know, Pastor Alex. Like I got, if you knew my schedule, if you knew my stress level, if you knew. And so I think that we're not the only ones to go through life like that. And these people, they've forgotten. They've forgotten. And so what I want to do today is I want you, I have a few thoughts that I want you to consider. You may agree with some of them. You may not agree with some, you may not agree with any of them, but just, I just want you to consider three thoughts that I want to share with you about the resurrection. First one is this, the the resurrection changes everything. Not just eternity, not just one day, the place where you'll go when, when you die, but I believe the resurrection in your life right now changes everything. Without the resurrection, I believe Christianity would be a faith that's useless. And so here's, here's the thought that I want you to consider for, and, I, and I'll try to prove it the best way I can. And, and we may at the end of our 10, 15, 20 minutes, we may be in different places and that's cool. I'd love to uh, continue the conversation with you. But here's, here's my thought. I believe the resurrection radically changes the way you think about your marriage. I believe that the concept of the resurrection radically changes the way that you parent your kids. I believe it changes um, your education, your worldview. I believe that it radically changes the way you think about your finances. And so here's the thing about belief. Belief is more that is, it's not just something that you do with your brain. It's not something that you think. It's, it's something that you live. It's something that you do. And I believe that the resurrection, the power of the resurrection is that it changes every area of your life, not just in the then, not just in one day in the future. You know, because I remember when I was a kid, one of the reasons why I didn't want to give my life to Christ is because, man, I want to enjoy life. I want to have fun. You know, I'm too young for this. You know, I don't want my life to be over. And Jesus said the opposite. No, 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 no. I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But what happens is we forget we forget who we are. We lose track of who we are. We, we forget what we've been given, what God has done for us, that Jesus conquered death. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the purpose of the thief, right? Your enemy comes to bring you down, to accuse you, to make you feel less than. You're not enough. You can't do it. That's what the enemy came for, to steal your, your joy and your peace. Jesus says, man, I came to give you so much more. I want to give you life on the on planet Earth. So listen, if you're married, your spouse should love you. Your, your spouse should, they should cherish you. They should listen to you. They should support you. But they can't give you life. Your spouse's primary role is not to 
give you worth, right? And, and I see this all the time. People who, man, they just need that partner to make them feel like, like this is what I need. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're single, maybe uh, you're, you've gone through some things in life and you're like, man, I'm looking for somebody that will make me feel a certain way. I need to feel worthy. And maybe you're married and you're not getting it from that other person and you're looking for that. You're, you're searching for that thing. Like, I just want them to make me feel good. Listen, if that's what you're looking for, don't get me wrong, they should love you. They should cherish you. They should listen. They should support you. But you should not try to find worth in your partner. And if you do, you're essentially turning them into a little personal messiah. Your children, some of you, your parents, right? How many parents do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Yep. So your parent, your kids, they were not given to you to give you identity. So many parents, they, they, live life through their kids and I know it's a temptation I've been there too I have three of my own I wanted them like growing up I, I wanted them to same, have the same hobbies that I have and enjoy the same things that I like and and be like me and sometimes you know like man if they do good in a soccer game then then we feel good if they if they do good in school then we feel good but that that can be taken to the extreme right your kids were not given to you so you can find some sort of identity. And I see a lot of parents, and I'll put myself in there. I'm not judging you. I've done this before. That they find themselves, like their reputation, their identity is from their kids' successes. And they, they almost treat, you know, their children like little trophies. You know, I'm going to polish them because they make me feel good when they do good. But just in case you didn't realize that your kids are not getting up in the morning going, hmm, what good deed can I do to make my parents look good? Right? Like your kids don't do that. My kids are not doing that. Hmm. Let me think. What, what good thing can I do today to make, a, to get, make my parents look really good? No. They're living their own life, right? They're little selfish beings. <laughs> you can't take that, you can take that line of thought from any angle, right? Your career, it's not meant to give you life. Man, there's so many things that can go that, that are out of your control. Think of, think of your career, right? Think of the, the past 10, 15 years for you where you've been. There's no way that you can say, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do and everything lined up perfectly, right? And so I really believe that there are so many things in your career that you have no control over. It is a dangerous place to look for life to look for meaning. Your possessions can't give you life. People try. I've tried. You know, you, people just keep adding things. You know, we've done, we've done that for a while. You keep buying things in the hope that one of those things is going to satisfy my heart. Maybe one of those things is going to fill that void that I, listen, earthly, created, physical things that really have no ability to give you life. Earth, earth will not, will never be your savior. It won't work tried it leaves you empty the thrill does not last and so paul says i want to remind you of the resurrection of jesus christ it affects every area of your life it changes everything it's not just about the future it's not about just one day you know life after death it's about the now here's the second thought that i want you to consider second thought the resurrection protects you moment by moment look in verse two verse two says by this gospel, you are being saved. Verse 2. Look at it in your Bibles. By this gospel, 
you are being saved. Uh, I was reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and I like that version a little bit better. I think it's a little bit more accurate. It says, by this gospel, you are being saved. It's linear and not, not just a one-time event. By this gospel, you're constantly, and that word saved, it can be used in multiple ways. It, it can be used for the word healing. It can, it can mean protection. In other words, by this gospel, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're constantly and continually being saved. You're constantly and continually being healed. You're constantly and continually being preserved, being rescued. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's not a, just a one-time event. It's, it's linear. It's linear. Let me illustrate it like this. I have a picture on the screen. Can we, can we put that picture up? You guys know who this is? Her name is Diana Niad. She accomplished a record-breaking swim from Cuba to Florida. Okay? 110 miles. She tried it four times and failed. 110 miles swimming. Okay? Like... I've done one marathon and I almost died. I, I promise. I, when I crossed the finish line, I said, Lord, I promise you, I will never do another marathon in my life. I'm done. 26.2 miles. All right. That's it. I'm done. I don't know how you can swim 110 miles. It took her 53 on her fifth attempt, took her 53 hours. I can't stay up last 24 hours, like 24 hours. And I'm like, whoa, you know. You know, like 53 hours swimming. And you know what she said? She said something interesting. She said, the most challenging thing was not the distance. I, I, was, I could handle the distance. She said, the most challenging thing was not the 53 hours. I could handle that. She said, the most challenging, after her fourth attempt, she failed. She said, the most challenging thing was the white tip sharks and the box jellyfish. I was going to show you a picture, but it was a little too gross. On her fourth attempt, she had, I mean, you know, like they stung her really bad. I mean, it was it was raw. I mean, you could just see like this lady, like she is just crazy to do what she was doing. And she said the most thing, the reason why I could not succeed was because of the sharks and because of the box jellyfish, which have some of the most, the world's most poisonous um, most crazy poison of any body. And um, on her fifth attempt, they she wore a specially designed suit. And I thought it was interesting. It's called a stinger suit, a stinger suit. And it actually covered all, even her lips. Her teeth were covered. She was covered from head to toe. And it was only then that she was able to finish the swim, 110 miles, 53 hours, because she was constantly and continually being protected with this stinger suit. She was constantly and continually being preserved, being saved. She put herself in a world, in a strange world, in a foreign world, the vast ocean from Cuba to Florida, and only then she was able to make it. And so why do I say all that? I say that to say this. By this gospel, you're continually, constantly being saved. You're constantly being protected. You and I live in a strange world. Would you agree? 2020, 2021, you know, like we've seen some strange things. We've seen some things that I don't, I hope we don't ever get to see again. Crazy world. 
You need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bible says that it's core the resurrection is what protects you now you say like protect me from what what do I need to be saved from I'll give you two thoughts on that two thoughts real quick um, they're both lies they're universal lies one is the lie that I like to call the lie of autonomy the lie of autonomy the lie of autonomy says you know what I am an ind- independent human being I am, you know, I have the right to live my life the way I want to my life belongs to me you know don't tell me what to do how many of you have said that before? I know I have. You know, it's my life. You're not going to tell me what to do. It's, it's the child, right, that you're trying to feed. You're trying to spoon feed him or her. And they're not open in their mouth. And, and it's not like they've read, like, the greatest book on, like, healthy living, right? It's not like they just watched, like, the greatest, like, this is this trend and, you know, this is the latest diet. You know, no, no, no. They're telling you, they're telling you when you're trying to feed them, they're like, nope, this is my little body. This is my little mouth. You're not going to tell me what to do. It's a lie of autonomy. I can do whatever I want to do. Here's the second lie. It's the lie of self-sufficiency. The lie of self-sufficiency. I've said this one too. The lie of self-sufficiency says, you know, man, I have everything that I need. I have everything in me to do whatever I want to do, to be whoever I want to be. And so the same child, right, three-year-old, he, he discovers shoelaces. Have you ever seen a child discover shoelaces for the first time? I mean, they're like incredible. And then they notice the mommy, you know, you're like, she's tying my shoes and that's a pretty bow and I want to do that. And so they begin to play and they begin to try. And then what happens? Nothing. Cause they are too young. Nobody has taught them. And so mom goes, reaches to teach them how to tie their shoe. And what does a child do? No. I'm going to do it. And that child can spend a century trying to play with those shoelaces. And I promise you, they will not learn to tie their shoelaces on their own. But they still say, no, I am self, what? I am self-sufficient. I can do it on my own. And we all believe that lie. In one way or the other, as we grow up, I think we, we learn a little bit more. And we kind of realize, okay, this is not really true. But we all, at some point in our lives, we all believe. Whether you're, you're a teenager, whether you're single, and you're like, man, I'm I finally, I'm on my own. And you're like, yep, I'm my own boss. Well, not really. It's two universal lies. When you look at the work of the resurrection, it humbles you. And you recognize, Lord, man... You know what? I need I need some help. I need you to I need I need you to protect me from myself because there are some things, some foolish things that I've done in my life and it's not good. And so the resurrection of Christ, number one, it affects every area. Number two, it protects you from yourself. And here's the last one. We'll close with this. The resurrection provides the hope that you're looking for. And so Paul in verse three, Paul goes, Hey, listen, I, I want to get your attention, you know. He does like a little mic check. Like, are you guys there? Anybody there? Can you hear me? Kind of like what I did earlier. It's like, hey, I want to get, I want to get your attention. I'm getting ready to tell you something that's important. Okay. So do I have your attention? Paul is saying this to them, right? Like, hey, don't, don't tune me out. If, if I, if you, if I've lost you, come back, come back. Okay. Are you, are you here? Are you with me? So I just want to get your attention. And then in verse three, he doesn't talk about what you can do for God. He talks about what God has done for you. Look at it. It says, For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. There's nothing more important than this. Like, this is it. This is the, 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 like the most important of all the things that I've said. This is it. It says that Christ died for our sins according to 
the Scriptures. Essentially, he's saying, look, the core message of Christianity is the hope is not found in your religion. Hope is not found, which just seems like an oxymoron, right? Like, this doesn't make sense. It says the core message of Christianity is that hope is not found in, in the things that you can do. You don't, you know, the religion is not, does not, does not, your religious duty does not get you ahead, does not get you anything in life. Every other religion tells you, if you do this, you'll achieve life. If you do this, you'll receive acceptance from God. If you do this, you'll find, you'll find unity. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The core message of Christianity is that there's nothing that you could ever, think about that thought. There is nothing you could ever do to gain or to achieve acceptance with God. There's nothing that you can do to buy life. And I'll close with this. I don't know if you, a couple of years ago, 2018 I think it was, there were 12 boys who got trapped in a cave in Thailand. You may have heard this story. I was, I listened to a podcast, incredible podcast, um, and I thought, man, I need to share this. Uh, because it really relates to us spiritually. Twelve boys, ten days trapped in a cave. Can you imagine going ten days without food, without water? I mean, this was this was a, a just a brutal thing. Basically, they were a soccer team, their assistant soccer coach. They were trying to celebrate one of the teammates' birthday, so they they go into this cave, six point two miles like deep. That's how deep the cave is. Okay, and they go in there. It was. Because of the heavy rain, it flooded the cave, it blocked their way out, and it was a worldwide rescue. Here, um, listen to this. Over 10,000 people contributed to the rescue. More than a hundred divers to try to get to them. There were representatives from over a hundred government agencies, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters. They had 700 diving tanks, 500 at any given time inside the cave, okay? They were basically swapping the, the diving tanks. They had 200 out there refilling them. I mean, they had Navy SEALs. They had, they, they drill into the cave, the side of the cave, this, this, this massive pumps and they were pumping water out okay millions and millions of gallons out that they, they said they cool into 400 olympic sized pools that they were they were trying to basically lower the the water level and just give them a few extra days because of the rain you know the caves were filling up the navy seals were saying that the water was so murky that with all of their state-of-the-art equipment all of their fancy flashlights and all all of the equipment that they were using on a good day, because it took several days to go after the boys to find them. And on a good day, their visibility was the best of the best was three inches. Okay? The smallest passage was 15 inches in diameter. So when they had to rescue the boys, they had to push them from behind 15 inches in diameter. I think I have a video. Do we have that video? Can we show it? It's this is when they found them. Watch this. This is I mean you you can see how much weight they've lost. Can we can we show it? Let's go. Thank you guys. How many of you? Thirteen. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 
We are coming. It's okay. It's okay. Many people are coming. Many, many people. We are the first. Many people come. What day? What day? No, no, no. What day is it? Now I'm Monday. Monday. Okay, but one week and Monday. You have been here 10 days. 10 days. You are very strong. Very strong. So they don't they don't speak English well and I was watching I watched the video several times and they say what day but I think what they're trying to say is when are you going to rescue us and the diver says it's Monday <laughs> you know and I'm thinking who cares what day it is I want to know when you're going to rescue me right 10 days in that cave and um they had three options three options they could wait until the monsoon season was over the water would come down that was one of their options and um, they didn't really think it was a good option because the oxygen oxygen level in the cave was 15%, which you need, I think, is like between 19 and 23%. Option two was to train them to dive. I'm a diver. Diving is not an easy thing. It's not something that you teach 12 boys after they've spent 10 days with no food and no water. Okay? And so they said that, in fact, a Navy SEAL had already died, a 37-year-old Navy SEAL, the beginning of the rescue. He could not make it because on the way to where the boys were, it would take them, I think it was like six hours to just get from the mouth of the cave to where the boys were. And so one of the options was, option two was, let's teach them to dive and we'll, we'll dive out with them. We'll, you know, we'll all, we'll all come out of the cave. And they said that the failure rate was 80%. So that means 10 out of the 12 boys would undoubtedly die. And then the third option, they gave the boys two options, but the third option was essentially to put them to sleep. Now, can you imagine that? They put the boys to sleep, and they basically put a face mask over their, their face, and they, the divers would lead them out of the cave. And those boys had to make a decision. And they had to decide in which order they were going to go. Which, to me, it didn't even make sense. Why would you allow the kids to make that decision? But I think in the end, it actually helped their spirits. But I say all that to say this. And I'm going to ask our worship team, if you guys get on stage. I'll say that to say, I said that to say this. On their own, they were lost. On their own, there was nothing those children could have done. There's no way for them to buy life. There's no way. I mean, how do you get to over 10,000 rescue people together, over 100 Navy uh, divers, Navy SEALs from like every country? I mean, our Air Force was involved. I mean, this was a massive undertaking. There's no amount of money that they could have saved. There's no amount of money that they could pay afterwards. They were dead in that cave it was just a matter of time with heads bowed and eyes closed I just want to share this with you as we kind of wrap up the message and you consider some of the thoughts that I've shared with you I believe it's the same way in your life I I think we live in a different kind of cave call it planet earth there's a rescue mission going on At times, it feels like it's a war. And it's taking place on the turf of our hearts. And I know that sometimes time pulls us away. 
or our schedules. Sometimes the stress of life pulses in different directions. But I want I want to declare this morning that only Jesus can rescue you. And so I said at the beginning of the message, I said, you and I do something every day. And you, you get to do it right now. We interpret our world. And so you, you can take this moment and you can, we read scripture together. A number of us are watching. Many of you are online following. But every single one of us will have to be like those boys. And we will have to interpret our world. We'll have to make sense out of what we heard. And what Paul is saying, if you're a believer, what Paul is saying is, he's saying the resurrection changes everything, not just in the future, but now. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even if he dies, he will live. Like, And maybe for you, it's your career. That's the thing that drives you. That's the most significant thing. That's the thing that becomes, that's the basis of your major decisions. Maybe you're single here, and for you, it's a hope of marriage. You're putting all of your future hope in that. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's materialism. I mean, I'm not here to judge you. I've been there before, right? But what, what Paul is saying is like, listen, the gospel, it is the gospel. It is the gospel that can set you free. And it, at its core, the resurrection is what can free you. Because the gospel can free you from the love of money. Because if the love of Jesus Christ dominates your heart, then money can't. It'll free you from the lie that, man, physical possessions, you know, it's what's going to bring contentment. And so I have determined in my own life that life better be made up of something more than work more than eating and shopping because if not I'll end up fat, in debt and very tired and the gospel can free me from all of that so I'm just curious how many of you here today would say pastor would you pray for me I want to recommit my life to Christ or maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you say you know what today I want to look to Jesus I wonder how many of you would say that online or here in person in the room by raising your hand. Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to rededicate. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I see that hand. I see that hand. I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe it's the first time. And if it is, the Bible says heaven is throwing a party on your behalf. We see you online. God sees you. If that is you, I want to encourage you to do. I'm going to pray here in a minute. We're, we're going to wrap this up. But here's what I want to encourage you. If you've just made a decision for Christ, we want to help you. We want to come alongside. We don't want you to do life on your own. So would you do this? Would you text the word Jesus to our church number? We say it all the time, 903-592-8357. It's on the screen. It's wherever you're watching from. It's here in person. It's right in front of you in the chairs. Text the word Jesus to 903-592-8357. And this is what will happen. We will come alongside you. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. 
If you need a devotional, we'll get you a devotional. If you need prayer, we'll give you prayer. If you're discouraged, we'll come alongside. If, you, if you're going through a tough time in your marriage, we'll find some people that are doing well in their marriage right now. We'll partner them with you. If we, if we, we need to take you out to eat and, and, and just have a conversation, we'll do that. If you have doubts, man, we'll talk, we'll listen. But don't do life on your own. The enemy wants to isolate you. Don't do that on your own. And so would you bow your heads and pray with me right now? Father God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for us. And God, just in the same way that I read Psalm 22 today, God, and I, and I thought of, of how that promise came to fruition, God, I know that one day, Father, we'll look back and we'll say, Jesus, thank you that you came back from us, for us. And so God, thank you that the gospel saves us. For every person that made a decision, God, I pray for them. I lift them up to you. God, we give you our hearts. God, none of us are perfect. We give you our junk. Thank you for taking our sin and nailing it down to a cross and dying for them, paying for the prize, and then rising up victorious. God, we know how the the story ends, and for that we worship you today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, let's all stand. Let's put our hands together as we celebrate all those people that gave their lives to Christ this morning.